this probably is going to ring differently to those who have large families, but I'm not talking about family, I'm talking about scripture when I say you're not supposed to have a favorite. Um, But this morning's scripture passage is part of my favorite. Uh, These chapters in John are often read after a lot of the resurrection stories, a lot of the stories that where Jesus has been showing up and not recognized by people. Uh, He shows up, as you can recall, um, in the garden, walking along the road, sharing a meal, breaking the bread, out on the shore with a charcoal fire. Folks just didn't recognize him at first. Folks who knew him really well, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, it's him. And I love this chapter in John because this stuff that came before was supposed to prepare them for what was going to come after, but it just really didn't sink in. Has that ever happened to you? Where you feel like you've been being prepared for something and then something happens and you're like, oh, I didn't get that at all. That didn't make any sense. And that's why it's helpful to look back sometimes. That's why these passages show up in Easter season, which it is still Easter season, believe it or not. And it's especially important, um, you know, we're just, Amelia and I and a few other church members are just coming from the fireside lounge where we were remembering mothers and grandmothers, those who had gone before us. And this look back is especially important after someone who is important to us dies. Because their death challenges us and changes us and calls into question deeply held thoughts and feelings and patterns. This isn't just family members, these are friends. These are people who are your core people your peeps, if you will. All of that is true about the challenge, the change, and calling into question, but what's also true is that their death is the beginning of a new way of being in relationship. And that's what the resurrection stories are about, and this is what John, beginning in chapter 14, and it extends for several chapters, is what Jesus is trying to help his friends understand. So I'm going to have you just listen for yourself to this reading from John chapter 14, starting at verse 15, and then we'll get into it a bit more. This is Jesus speaking. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. This is not a finger-wagging statement. This is just true. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take this spirit in because it doesn't have eyes to see it. It doesn't know what to look for. But you know the Spirit already because it has been staying with you and will even be in you. 
I will not leave you orphaned. Now, when I first read this sentence, I will not leave you orphaned, this is a little commentary. I always thought what that meant was, if someone dies, God sends someone else to be in your life. I mean, not an exact, you know, one for one, apple for apple, orange for orange kind of situation, but you lose one, you gain one. And I have found that to be true, but there's something more to it. The I will not leave you orphaned is that I am not leaving you completely. So back to the reading, I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back. In just a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because I am alive and you're about to come alive. Those resurrection stories, I am alive, but you don't recognize me at first. At that moment, you will know absolutely that I'm in my Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you. We are still connected. The person who knows my commandments, in other words, the person who knows the ways of life and love, and keeps them, that's who loves me. It's not about flowers. It's not about going out for dinner. It's not about a gift, although those are very nice things and encouraged. What it's about is the ways of life and love as you live them. And the person who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and make myself plain to them. Plain to them. And then we'll go back a few verses and say, but you may not recognize it at first. But plain to them. It begins with love. Love that is both foundational and enduring. The Bible calls it abiding love. You know, there's a lot of kinds of love. I love pizza, it's not the same kind of love. Abiding love remains and stays active. It's not a feeling or a belief. It's a connection and a continuation of a relationship in a new way. In the 15th chapter of John, you know, Jesus goes on and on about this. It's pretty important. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's what it means to abide. If you take a branch off a vine, it can't do a thing. They stay connected. For the ice cream lovers, let's go with chocolate chip. I am the vanilla base, you are the chips. Together we make a special flavor. Apart from the base, chips, you are not ice cream. We get that, right? Another word for this type of love is accompaniment. Music lovers, you totally get this. 
Accompaniment is the musical part that supports or partners with the melody. And there's probably a longer and more sophisticated way to say that. And there's probably exceptions, and Robert can do that sometime. Or Lauren can do that. Accompaniment provides the rhythmic or harmonic support for the melody. And the rhythmic and harmonic support adds layers of complexity and depth and beauty. That's why music touches us so much, isn't it? It opens something up within us. Not a single voice, although a cappella singing is quite moving. But a relationship of many voices, including instrumentation. In a traditional drumline, the center snare is called the heartbeat, right? And then you add tenors or bass drums and cymbals and xylophones and marimbas and bells, and apparently you can also add guitar and voice and a message. Our Longmont High School drumline knows this. It's not our grandmother's drumline anymore. And that's why we can sing when in our music God is glorified. Because our music is an example of abiding love and how it works together. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to God's purposes. That's from Romans. And this passage this morning sort of puts us on notice. It says, where there is love, relationships continue. What we have started in our shared life continues even beyond death. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8 says, love never dies, or love never ends. And it doesn't. I think it's even worth remembering that even after a performance, the experience lingers. And then exhaustion comes. But then after a time of rest, you can still experience a bit of that performance and connect to the life that it was and still is. Remember that? That's it right there. That's the life that still is. And this continuation is the gift of the Spirit. The same Spirit that was alive in Jesus and alive in God is given to us and is alive in us when we are about the ways of life and love or life-giving love. The Spirit is the life force that keeps us connected. That's how we understand it from a faith perspective. Those connections you feel and you experience, we call the Spirit. 
And Jesus calls a spirit. He calls it an advocate. It's a great word, too. The words and wisdom that instruct us, the path and passion that engages us, the hand and heart that guides us, that's the work of the spirit. The love that connects us and leaves an imprint of God's love. Maybe that's part of the afterglow, isn't it? The imprint that it leaves on us and in us. It's with you and it's in you. It is for you as both a support and a partner. As new life is called forth within you and through you, the Spirit will be at work. This is probably going to be your favorite passage now too, right? This is your favorite section. We're going we're gonna to pause for a song, but then we're going to enter into a time of prayer practice that's also going to uh, try to bring this to life a little bit for you. So Lauren, are you ready with a piece? Yeah. Good morning. Um, I'm going to sing a song that I wrote about the love between a mother and a daughter. It's called The Name That They Call Her. Um, And just kind of a little bit about it. Um, More specifically, it's about my sister and my mother. My sister's name is Elise, uh, which is uh, my mom got the name from a song that The Cure wrote called A Letter to Elise, and she loved it so much that she named my sister Elise. So just some background, because you'll hear some references to The Cure. sure folks can hear can you all hear her yeah no so hello doing sound today randy give us a little more okay do you have one of these can you put that on Totally going to be worth the wait. I have no idea what that's like. Can you hear me a little bit better now? Okay. Um, As I was saying, this is a song about the relationship between a mother and daughter, more specifically my sister and my mother. My sister named my, or my mom named my sister Elise after the Cure song, which I wanted to preface because there's a little reference to that at the very beginning.
you back to a place of grounding. Uh, you might literally want to make sure your feet are on the ground and you can soften your gaze a little bit and just return to your breath. Just become aware of your breath as the breath comes into your body and as it leaves your body And rest your hands in your lap. This is a, a hand meditation, so we're going to spend some time with our hands. I want to invite you to become aware of, first and foremost, just become aware of your hands as they sit in your lap or beside you. And notice the air at your fingertips. Notice also the space between your fingers.
in the palm of your hands. Experience the fullness and the strength and the age of your hands. Think of the most unforgettable hands you have known. The hands of parents. The hands of grandparents. Remember the oldest hands that have rested in your hands. Think of the hands of a newborn child, of the incredible beauty and perfection and delicacy in the hands of a child. Once upon a time, your hands were the same size. Think of all that your hands have done since then. Almost all that you have learned has been through your hands. Turning yourself over, crawling and creeping, walking and balancing yourself, learning to hold something for the first time, feeding yourself, washing your hands, dressing yourself, At one time, your greatest accomplishment was tying your own shoes. Think of all the learning your hands have done and how many activities they have mastered. The things they have made. Remember the day you could write your own name. And now maybe even type your own name. Our hands are not just for ourselves, but for others. How often they were given to help another Remember all the kinds of work and play they have done. The tiredness and aching they have known. The cold and the heat. The rain and the sun. The soreness and the bruises. Remember the tears they have wiped away, our own or another's. 
the healing they have experienced after a scrape. How much they have expressed and how much gentleness and tenderness and love they have given. How often they have been folded in prayer, a sign of both their powerlessness and their power. Our parents and grandparents guided these hands in the great symbolic language of our hands, the sign of the cross, the peace sign, the handshake, the wave of the hand in hello or goodbye. There's a mystery which we discover in the hand of a person that we love. There are also the hands of a doctor, a nurse, an artist, a conductor, a teacher, a coach, a musician, hands which you can never forget. Now raise your right hand slowly and gently place it over your heart. Press a bit more firmly until your hand picks up the beat of your heart. A rhythm learned in the womb from the heartbeat of one's mother. Press more firmly for a moment and then release your hand and hold it just a fraction from your clothing. Experience the warmth between your hand and your heart. And now lower your hands to your lap very carefully as if it were carrying your heart. For it does. When you extend your hand to another, it is not just the bone and skin It is your heart. Think of all the hands that have left their imprint on you. Fingerprints and handprints are heart prints that can never be erased. The hand has its own memory. Think of all the places that people carry your handprints and all the people who bear your heart print. They are indelible and will last forever. Now without 
opening your eyes or coming into sharp focus, just extend your hand on either side and allow another hand, either in your imagination or the person sitting right beside you, allow that other hand to find you. And don't simply hold it, but allow yourself to explore it and sense some of the history and mystery of this hand. Let your hand speak to it and let it listen to the other. Try to express your gratitude for this hand stretched out to you. And then bring your hand back again into your lap. And as you do so, experience the presence of that hand lingering upon your hand. The afterglow will fade, but the print is there forever. Whose hand was that? It could have been any hand. It could have been God's hand. And perhaps it was because God has no other hands than ours. And friends, I invite you to draw your focus back to this room where we will exchange the gift of peace, remembering that the gift of Christ's peace is one that we both receive and one that we share. And it's one that we share with our hand. And so I invite you now to share with one another and to receive. Christ's peace. May the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's share that peace one to the other. Peace be with you. Peace. Welcome back. Peace. Really beautiful. Thanks, oh, thank you.